When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to On Texas Football. I am Joe Cook, joined today by Justin Wells. Today, we're going to review a little bit of what we heard at Inside, or excuse me, at Big 12 Media Days. Uh, you heard Ian and I, Ian Boyd and I, talk a little bit about the schematic things, uh, schematic topics that Steve Sarkeesian touched on. Justin and I will talk about everything else that went down, whether it be Bijan Robinson in the Lambo, uh, DeMarvin Overshone in the truck, or Ovi Gofu working with Gary Patterson, a bunch of different things were said at Big 12 Media Day, and we'll we'll go over that. So, Justin, well, welcome back to the to the battleship. How how you doing these days? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I I did one of these videos with Bobby Bobby on um, Friday, and uh, and so I, I miss I miss it. I missed you. <laughs> Appreciate that. What was so just from right off the top? You and I were both at Big 12 Media Days last week with with mm-hmm. Ian Boyd. First of all, the media day spells because SEC and ACC are going on right now as we speak, but Big 12 got the first crack at it. What were some of the big things you heard, maybe not just from the conference level, but from Steve Sarkeesian sp- specifically? You know, it, 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 it was funny because, you know, watching him get interviewed on Radio Row and doing the ESPN stuff and the Fox stuff, he just he felt a lot more in his element than he did last year which makes total sense. I asked uh, sports information director, John Bianco about it. And he said, you know, every first year coach kind of has their hard time. You know, they're, they're going, they're, they're going through the process to try to figure out what, you know, kind of <laughs> where they fit in and, and, and what they do. Well, the second year bump is always something where you see the coach come in and he's more comfortable. He, he's more, he's more set up uh, to, 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 for, for what he's expected to do in these media days. And so to me, it was Sark just being comfortable. It was Sark being somewhat confident. You know, that if you didn't know any better, you'd think Sark was going into his fourth or fifth year with a top 10 team because he has, there's a, there's a quiet confidence about this, about this group. And it's coming from Sark. And you can just tell by when he goes position, position about players. He talks about the culture. Uh, he talks about how, you know, they're finally fitting in where they, where they get in. They're finally, finding guys that are going to fit their roles, which means Sark's finding his guys going into year two. And so my biggest takeaway was, you know, last year, Sark, he wasn't out of place, but you could tell he was the new kid in school this year. He'd been there before he's done it. And you could tell he had the swagger of a guy that has a a stockpile of quarterbacks waiting in the wings. Yeah. I wonder if maybe that, I don't want to say uncomfortableness, I don't think it comes from just, you know, something inherent, but he probably didn't know the team as well as he would have liked. Like he's mentioned over and over, there were COVID th- things going on, uh, limited, you know, interaction with entering spring ball. So it makes sense that he's a lot more comfortable just because he, now he's got a year and a half of, of knowing all these guys and knowing some good, some bad, and also 
a bunch of these players he brought in are ones that he chose to bring in. I think he said there were 35 that they brought in, 57 freshmen and sophomores on this team. Like this is a team that he has a much better grasp on. Uh, so it's not surprising that, you know, John Bianco and, and even us two would notice that comfort. And I'm with you. Like he was, you know, sometimes you can tell guys get rattled. Maybe not rattled, but like, yeah. All right. Now I'll go talk to Oklahoma City <laughs> and then Kansas City's next. And then one Dallas station. Like it can get old. I completely understand that. But he just went right through it. And uh that was that was fun to see. Um, one thing, of course, that he talked about or was asked about was quarterbacks and how basically uh everybody's gonna be focusing on at least from the media perspective, Queen Ewers, you know, number one overall prospect, five-star plus, Ohio State transfer. He didn't really get asked much about Hudson Card, but did you notice what I did in that even with all the questions pertaining to Quinn Ewers, he always made sure to mention Hudson Card, which to me illustrates don't write and pin this job quite yet. Uh, who's going to be the starting quarterback? That's exactly what I thought. You know, in that first interview he did with 104.9 The Horn earlier uh, Thursday morning, um, he talked more about Hudson Card than he did Quinn. You know, obviously he made the point with Quinn was, you know, this is a guy that reclassified, missed his senior year, showed up in Columbus with none of his recruiting buddies, nobody. They were already in training camp. I mean, that's the worst case scenario for a quarterback at the college level. And so he talked about how obviously Quinn was more comfortable. He got to go through a spring. But then he made sure to let people know, look, we have another quarterback. His name's Hudson Card, and this guy has actual experience. And then he actually started talking about Card in depth talked about how they went through each individual game last year that Card played. They went through each play, what his reads were, what he saw, what he didn't see. And at the end of the session, they figured out Hudson actually had a decent year last year, especially towards the end of the year. He saw some de developmental things that, that were really positive for him, that, that, that he knows that Hudson can, can be a quarterback at this next level. It's a great problem to have, Joe. We, we, you know, we come from the fact that we, you know, there was a time when we were covering Tyrone Swoops and Gerard Hurd for years at quarterback. Now you've got you're in a, a room with Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers, both highly capable to play at this level at a very, very high level. And so I, I, I thought it was interesting. He didn't annoy anybody. He, he let everyone know kind of where he was with Quinn and his situation. Then he made sure to let know everyone know where Hudson Card is. To me. It, I know it sounds funny, but that's good coaching mm -hmm. because you can't talk up one without the other, especially when the other one is pretty talented too. Right. And, and in this college game, one hit, buddy, your backup quarterback is in the game. It's that important. And so I thought it was interesting that they saw some development with Hudson and they let Hudson know. And we even reported at the beginning of the spring, Hudson was kind of the guy the first two weeks. Obviously he'd been there before and he was the incumbent, but still, he, he was bringing more confidence because Hudson, Hudson and Quinn are very, very similar. They're introverts. They're not rah-rah guys. And so it's kind of hard to get a read sometimes on, on a leadership standpoint or where they're at. But Hudson has the respect of the team. And I think that came off as much as anything with Sark. And you mentioned that Steve Sarkeesian didn't annoy anybody. We're not anointing anybody either. I think you and I may have an expectation of how the quarterback battle plays out, but it has to play out first. And, you know, even with the, the spring or excuse me, the summer extra drills that they, that Steve Sarkeesian has, that's not going to lead him to name a starter before they even put the pads on. And he said as much, 
but he also said he thinks it'll help him make a decision earlier than last season where it was, I think, a week or two before spring training, or excuse me, before the first game. I think two weeks before the first game when he named Hudson Card the starter for Louisiana. So quarterback was a, a big topic of conversation. Uh, but we also got to speak to Bijan Robinson, who is probably, I, I think if you had to put a, if you were forced to, to pick a face of the program, it's him right now. Uh, star running back, Heisman contender. Um, and he got a lot of questions about his NIL deals, uh, especially with Lamborghini, one of many. And we have a story on Inside Texas about that Lamborghini deal. But you, you spoke about the difference between Stan Drayton one of the reasons, if not the biggest reason, he ended up at Texas, uh, currently the Temple head coach, and Tashard Choice, who ended up replacing him. What were some of the things you got from, from Robinson about some of the differences in how they coach between Choice and Drayton? You nailed it. They, they, they there was, um, he may have, Stan Drayton was probably the main reason he came to Texas. Let's be honest. He came on that during that spring game and Jamal Charles. You know, he, he, he powdered him up real nice. But in the end, Stan Drayton sold him on that resume, and, and that's why he came to Texas. It's interesting because with B. John Robinson, you said it. He's the face of the program. That is known throughout the locker room. If it's not B. John, it's Rashawn. And it's, it's often it's both, which, which is even better. And so I asked, you know, what was the biggest difference when going from Coach Drayton, you know, renowned tailback coach, resume, long, long list, just a sharp choice, the kind of up and coming guy who actually played on the field that we did the interview interviews with uh, for the Dallas Cowboys for a handful of years. He, he was very, he was very astute. He, he said, you know, with coach Drayton, it was more of a father figure. It was more of a low key. He didn't really holler. He would correct you on things, but it was more of a directional thing. Keep, keep everything even, even kill with coach choice. It's almost like a big brother and it's a big brother that is going to be rough on you. You know, if you if anybody that's got a big brother knows um, sometimes they can be a little rough on you, but it's for your own good. And that's what I love about choice, because if you've noticed on social media and I know fans have to see this choice is not anointing this guy at all. If anything, every watch list that comes out, choice comes over the top with, you know what? You ain't done anything. You need to go back to work. And for a guy like B. John Robinson, who is one of the most self-motivated people I know, <laughs> It's, it's, it's something he needed, he said. It's something he really wanted. He said, you know, I'll make two or three really good plays in a practice. I don't hear anything from him. I make one small mis mistake. I step one direction once. He tears me up. He kills me on it. And he says, but I know it comes from love. I know it comes, it comes from a, a place. They're both highly religious people, both, both God-fearing men. They connect on that level. And so once they once choice built that foundation with him, that trust, it is that big brother that just wants the best for you. And I think that was the biggest takeaway was that choice, you know, Drayton wants to, you know, turn him into a man. Drayton choice wants to turn him into a man plus NFL running back. And I, I think that's where the big brother thing came from. And, and we asked Rashawn Johnson the same thing. And he had very similar answers as well. And so I think the shift from Drayton to, to choice could not have gone more seamlessly. If anything, it may have been an upgrade. Yeah, I think, remember, he was at, a, what, USC for about a week with uh, Lincoln Riley before yeah. Steve Sarkeesian said, long, yeah. <laughs> you know what, I'm going to take you from L.A. real quick and, and put plug you into my offense. So 
uh, that helped out a lot and it's showing benefits not like not not only with Bijan but with Roshan like you said he had great things to say uh, about Tashard Choice and um, the the thing that really stood out to me at least as far as Roshan goes another member of Big 12 of Texas who's at Big 12 Media Days was I think I asked both Roshan and Bijan like is there anything odd or peculiar about Let's be honest, the second string running back being the team leader. And granted, I know B, uh, Roshan gets a lot of carries, but I worked out the math and among backs, Roshan got, I think, about just around a quarter and Bijan got about half. And that's even after missing, what, two games at the end of the season? Um, and third, and so that quarter for Roshan was 96 carries. 31 of those came in that season finale versus Kansas State. So it probably would have been closer to 20-ish had everybody stayed healthy uh, throughout the course of the year. And, and I was wondering, you know, is it possible for that message from a guy who, granted, plays a lot, but is second on, on this running back depth chart, does that message get diluted? You ask Bijan, you ask Roshan, you ask DeMarvion, you ask Ovi. Even Steve Sarkeesian, I don't know if he got asked about that, but they were all there. None of them batted an eye. They were like, no, everybody, he's the alpha. That's what Steve Sarkeesian said. Roshan Johnson is an alpha. Uh, so that was that was a big thing that, that stood out to me. Um, who knows? I, I did ask a question if they had implemented some more two-back sets with Brennan Marion joining and him being the, uh, the author of the go-go offense, but didn't get – a good a really good answer on that front as far as clarity goes but you know those are two guys that if you want to put them both on the field at the same time uh those are two pretty talented backs maybe a couple of the best in the big 12 um couple more topics to really quickly hit on i'm not going to let you go a youtube show without being able to talk about demarvi and overshone this is someone you've been driving to art texas for a while uh you saw him wear a uniform that if I'm if I remember right it's pretty much identical to Alabama's right the logo is uh it's a little more of a maroon okay than a crimson if you so yeah but yeah th there's a lot of similarities to Alabama <laughs> and there's not very many people who know that fact that ARP Texas has the <laughs> Alabama logo except for you so what you from a, a kid that you've seen going back I think six years now what did you see from DeMarvion at, at Big 12 Media Days? Uh, you know, him in his cowboy hat, jeans, belt buckle, and pretty good-looking boots. What did you take away from a lot of the things he said? My first takeaway was uh, I'm not alone in, in, in championing Beast Texas as the region in the country. I'm not alone. I'm not on a hill by myself anymore. DeMarvion's up there with me, slightly taller, big, big cowboy hat. He needs an NIL deal for that as well. My biggest takeaway, I love that Sark brought him because I we talk about leadership and you nailed it. How is Rashawn Johnson part of the leadership when he's a backup? Because that's uncommon. That's very uncommon. But he's not viewed as a backup on the team. He's not viewed in that regard. They want a leader on defense. I know Sark is pulling strings to find one. And I think Overshone's trying to fit in that mold. You know, they asked, we asked him, you know, who, who inspired you to start taking on some more of this leadership role? And he said, well, I played behind the best leader, Sam Ellinger. He goes, that's where I learned, you know, just watching him. He said he played on offense and he was our leader on the defense. And so my takeaway from Overshone was 
They're trying to bestow this leadership on him, and he's trying to carry it, Joe. This is the first spring he's ever been healthy at Texas, going into his fifth season. First spring he's ever been healthy. I think that makes a difference. We even noticed he's put on muscle. That's something. He is a hard gainer. Mm-hmm. It, that is difficult for the kid that has a metabolism of a cheetah to put on weight, but he has put on a little bit of weight because if he wants to compete at the highest level this season and beyond in the league, he's got to get bigger. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's the way it goes. My takeaway also is Overshone's trying to be a leader, but also I, I like how his answers are so authentic and Austin and awesome because he doesn't, he doesn't really know how to lie. And that's one of the coolest things about this kid. He's incredibly transparent, which I find that a lot with Sark. I think that's kind of a takeaway from Sark and PK and Coach Choate as well. I think that comes off from those guys as well. Uh, he has a he has a green truck named Lizzie. And I've seen that before at, at the at the Chili's. Seen it on campus. I've seen, seen it, it at Chili's. Campus. So he's a man I, of culture too. And I'm like, I, I said, Demarvio, what in the world are you doing? He's like, that's my baby. That's what you call it, Lizzie. Well, it looks like a lizard, so I'll call her Lizzie. But I loved his story about it. All he drove for the first few years were challengers mm-hmm. on campus. And then I, people don't remember this, but last year he got in a really bad car wreck, and he was really, really lucky to, to not really be hurt. When that happened, that opened his eyes. And he's like, I got to get back to a truck. I'm from East Texas. I got to have a 4 before. I don't care about this gas. I'm getting back into a truck. So he was fortunate enough to do that. I love that the guy knows what's ahead of him. He's got everything ahead of him. He knows. I said, how are you going to get to the quarterback? It's so important this year for this defense. He said, we're going to pin our ears back. I'm going to play some edge, and we're going to get after him. Overshone is going to have to create some of that, that pass rush. He's going to have to create those, those hurries. And I think you're seeing a young man that's growing into himself. Like I said, I've known this kid since he was in ninth grade. He has grown. I was talking to his mother afterwards. He's grown so much, not just from a physical size, but from maturity size. And, and he's always got a smile and he's always got a positive answer. And I know you get that in the locker room too. And I know those players kind of feed off of it. They love that about him because he has that energy. And so Overshone being there just showed me that the 903 is still has a still strong brand that no matter if I ever have any doubts, he, he, he's, he's right there. If I had any other doubts, I could look across the dais and see Tyree Wilson, all 6'7", 305 of his behind, walking in like Sean Oakman, uh, him, him out of West Ruskin. So, yeah, seeing DeMarvion was great, giving him a hug, um, just, just seeing his face because I've seen where he started, and I see where he is now, and I can't wait to see where he goes next. And he's going to put this defense on his shoulders as, as much as possible. You know, I'm just trying to think how many 903 guys <clears throat> could be starting this year. You could have Keaton Crawford uh, from – uh, formerly John Tyler, now Tyler High, uh, Jaron Thompson from Lufkin. Um, I don't think there's very many. I can't think of anybody on that defensive line who who might factor in. But no, Sawyer, Gore, Sawyer, Sawyer Gordon Welch was the last D lineman. Now he's right. playing center from Longview. Now he's playing center on the offensive side. Right, and maybe we'll see. You know, I think you've mentioned on Inside Texas that Texas High's Derek Brown is a is a guy with a lot of energy, but is going to need a lot of growth and a strength and, and conditioning program. Um, so, Absolutely. you know, there was a lot of good stuff from big 12 media days and you know, your, your viewpoint on, on Overshone just to see how far he's come. But there's one thing that you mentioned, he said, Sam Ellinger was kind of the leader of the defense. And when that guy leaves after the 2020 season and here comes Steve Sarkeesian, here comes year 2021, 
means that the offense and the defense was missing a leadership figure. And hey, that that's what kind of happens. COVID doesn't make that easy. It's not excusing a lot of things that happened on the field for Texas, but it, it does provide a little bit of a reason behind, you know, maybe this is where it started and it ended up at this point because of that. So right. it's nice to hear. Now we know that there are leaders on this defense and on this offense on each side of the ball. So we learned a lot at Big 12 Media Days. You and I will still have a bunch of content on InsideTexas.com. And of course, fall camp, preseason camp starts in about two weeks. So Justin, anything else or uh, is that all, uh, all we need to get for today? I, I, think we, I think we covered it. The one thing I, I thought I took away from Big 12 Media Days from the players, player-led. Last year, a lot of coach speak was coach-led. This year, a lot of speak was player-led, from Bijan to Rashawn to Ovi to DeMarvion. Even got to see Jordan Whittington, and, and he even echoed those sentiments. Player-led. If this program wants to take the next step, player-led is the way to do it. Yep, heard that a bunch. So, all right, Justin, thank you so much. Thank you for watching on Texas Football. We'll have more content, a lot more content this upcoming week, covering uh, everything from on-field stuff to recruiting to what's coming up at the end of July for the Longhorns. So for Justin Wells, I'm Joe Cook. Thank you for watching on Texas football, and we will see you next time.